Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to our Easter morning service. I, uh, I kind of feel bad for Baptist pre- preachers right now because I think there's thousands of bas- Baptist preachers out there going, he has risen. And there's no one there to respond with what? He is risen indeed. And that's true, though. Absolutely. He has risen indeed. So uh, welcome, though. Welcome to our, our special service. Yeah, that was, that was a great joke. <laughs> I, I really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been quite a quite a wild month that we've all been through, and um, I know for myself and my family, like time, like days are sort of blurring together, and it can be really difficult to. Um, well, it's very. I'll say it this way: it's very easy for for me to have lost kind of track of where I am, you know, in in, a, in the scope of a month or in the scope of a year. We're on day eight hundred and twenty-two, just for keeping track. Yep. 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 See, I thought it was day 120. No, no, no. no. See, yeah. 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 Time flies. Yeah. So, so for myself, this like Easter, this Easter time has just snuck up on me so fast. Um, and it's just in the last couple days, it's like, oh man, like what we're celebrating is probably the most significant event in history. Probably. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm trying to think, I can't think of anything, anything more important that's ever happened. And um, so we want to do something a little different today um, to even if for no other reason than just to kind of be a little different to put more attention on today. Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping that the dynamic of having two of us here um, will kind of create a bit more of an environment of uh, community, make it easy for all of us to kind of participate. And so I would love it if you guys have questions or if you have thoughts or if something, if, if God speaks something into your heart while Ross and I are chatting and discussing, um, just put it in the chat. Like, if you see something someone else writes, mm-hmm. respond to it, comment to it. Let, let's try to focus on having as much of an of a experience of community together as we can, um, even though there's stuff like social distancing, which I should point out, we definitely have six feet. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, we spend way more time than you think on this set. And <laughs> Getting the cross, so the, as much of the cross as possible. Uh, while anyway. keeping the while social keeping distancing. It's like way harder than it looks. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. But, uh, you know, we, we do encourage heckling, as, uh, as a beautiful <laughs> woman said just a few minutes earlier. Uh, you know, in fact, there might even be a prize for best heckle. So bring it on. Hey. Bring it on. So the other thing we're going to do today is we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to do a yeah. virtual communion. Mm-hmm. And so you see here on our beautiful set, we've got some elements that Josh and I will use, uh, but, uh, but we welcome, you want you to be participating as well, and so feel free to, to grab your yeah. own elements, and, and the reality is, if all you've got in your house is, is coffee and toast, then that works too, yep. right, because it's, it's pointing to something that's greater than the physical reality, and so yep. we're looking forward to celebrating communion later on this morning. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. And so what's this morning all about? Today, this morning is all about the resurrection. And we want this to be all about Jesus and the conversation to be all about Jesus. And one of the things that Ross and I have talked a little bit about this week is how it's, it's I'm not saying this is a bad thing. In fact, it's not a bad thing. But so often the conversations that, that we have about the new covenant, and about grace, tend to be about what Jesus has done for me and how my life is different, um, which is important for sure. But... I think for both of us, our heart today is that we. this is about Jesus. 
and we want to talk as, as we want everything that we do today to be about Jesus. And I'm really praying that uh, for everyone who's participating in this morning's service, that Father just lays like a really um, powerful kind of sense of awe of like of just what Christ did, mm-hmm. and just like the, the beauty and the majesty and the intimacy of it. So, so yeah, Ross. So do you have a title and a, and a subtitle? Yeah, I have a title and a subtitle, and the title is Jesus' Perfect Work. And I put way more thought into the subtitle than people think. Tran- it transformed history, saves my today, and secures my tomorrow. Is it pretty good? That's a mouthful, but it is, that's pretty, it is. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty anyway, good. so yeah, all about the resurrection today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think a, a good place for us to start then is on the the question of the legitimacy of the resurrection. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a passage uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In beginning in verse 12, Paul writes, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. So, so the resurrection really is the, the central message, central part of, of, of Christianity. And so I think it is worth discussing whether or not it, it was legit. Is this all just a fairy tale? Did someone mm-hmm. make this up? And so we want to start with the legitimacy of, of the resurrection. So what would you say, Josh, if someone asked you about that? Well, for myself, um, I think that the question is actually there's like there's a kind of like two important parts to the question. So the first question is uh, has to do with the tomb where Jesus was 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 laid. And was the tomb empty? Because that was one of the first major things that scripture tells us that was discovered that kind of sparked this realization of the resurrection is was the tomb empty? And so that's one really important question to, to, to start with. And the second one was, okay, so why was the tomb empty? Um, did he resurrect? Was the body stolen? Like what, what happened? Um, and to be honest, it's, it's not very hard to come to like very strong conclusion that yes, 100% the tomb was empty because there's, there's a, so many different reasons, but for me, uh, there's a couple that are more compelling than a lot of other ones. So the first one is that the tomb belonged to a man named Joseph of Arimathea. And so Joseph was actually a prominent uh, Jewish, uh, um, a prominent person in the Jewish community. And so the fact that he owned the tomb, Jesus was put into a borrowed tomb, and it's in the scripture, and they point him out by name, means it's very, very easy for whoever's trying to disprove uh, at the time to go to Joseph and say, hey, like, did this happen? Is this legit? And So they could have gone to the tomb. They could have gone to the tomb. And that's actually another super compelling thing. It's like, it wasn't like, hey, this thing happened in a town of a five-day march away. It's like, no, this happened here, and you can actually walk to the tomb yourself mm-hmm. in an hour and see for yourself. So it's like, is... What they were claiming, that the tomb was empty, was extremely easy to disprove, like yeah. super, super easy. Or, or they could have just paraded the body of Jesus through the streets. It, yeah, And that absolutely. would have silenced the whole movement absolutely. overnight. One of the other really cool things um, that, I, that I've actually overlooked a lot is that the very first people who discovered that the tomb was empty mm-hmm. were women. And we don't always look at the the importance of that in in our reading and our understanding of scripture today, but women were second class citizens 
at the time that the scriptures were written and at the time of Jesus. So the fact that the first people that Jesus that Jesus was revealed to, it kind of mirrors the fact that the first people at the birth was announced to were shepherds mm-hmm. and again lowest of the low and also and then being revealed to women as well. So I think that's very interesting because if you're if the disciples are trying to fake something they would not have said, let's have our most credible witnesses be second-class citizens. That's right. Um, and I also, also think it speaks so amazingly to Jesus' heart and, like, how he assigned value in a way that's completely different than what culture did. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's something that's, that's, that's really, really special. In, in a time when women were, were property, yeah. owned by men, to choose to reveal himself to women in such a way to elevate their, yeah. their value to, absolutely. to equality. Absolutely, absolutely. So... Um, so the second kind of major question we have to talk about is, did the resurrection actually happen? Um, and there are, again, people who are way smarter than me have done so much more work on answering this question. But there's a, for me, there's a couple things that are like very compelling. So um, the first one is that there's no other um, explanation for what for what happened to the body. If the disciples had stolen it, then it would have been a, then they would have been lying. And you look at the kind of deaths that all the disciples mm-hmm. suffered. Like, if they were lying, someone would have cracked. Yeah. Like, there's... So, there's a the man named Chuck Colson. Uh, some of you may be familiar with that name. He, he went on to found this uh, prison ministry fellowship. Uh, before that, though, Chuck Colson was one of the, the right-hand man to a guy named Richard Nixon, the, the famous disgraced president who uh, got caught up in the Watergate scandal, where... Uh, President Nixon and uh, many of his key figures, including Chuck Colson, were involved in wiretapping and, and, and stealing uh, information from the Democratic uh, Party in the Watergate Hotel. And uh, Chuck Colson, he, he came, he, when he went into prison, he wasn't a believer. But in prison, he, something dawned on him that at the time, you know, the, the 12 most powerful people in, in America were Nixon and, and these people who were caught up in the Watergate scandal. And he said, in three weeks, everybody cracked. Nobody could hold a lie for more than three weeks. And these were powerful people. And so for these, these disciples who had no power, no standing, to hold on to a lie for 40 years up until their death and never crack, never break, for Colson, he says, that has to be the truth. That has to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. That, that nobody would make this up. All the points of the day. I mean, if, if anything, they might have said right before they were being executed, okay, all right, you got us. We went too far. Let us go. But they never recanted. They, they yeah. put their life on the line for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, there's a couple other interesting ideas that I kind of came across that I hadn't really considered as well. Is that, And one is that the, the account of the, of the resurrection and what Jesus did in the days following that and the people who he actually appeared to, um, that is, is, is completely free of obvious embellishment. And so um, in the early church, there were some fake gospels. There were some forgeries. There were some like, you know, like the gospel of Thomas, I think is mm-hmm. one. Um, I think there's another one called the gospel of Peter, which was fake. And if you look at the accounts of, of the resurrection in some of in some of those the fake ones you see like an enormous amount of embellishment so in the gospel of peter for example um apparently all the jewish leaders all the roman guards and everyone from the countryside gathered 
and watched the resurrection happen. And then three men came out of the tomb and then a talking cross came out of the tomb. And like, they're like putting up all of this like an amazing amount of emphasis on what happened there and like kind of blowing up and embellishing it. But the, the gospels just state it very plainly and that this is not the work of people who are trying to fake something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so to me, that was something really interesting that I had never really, really considered that, um, considered that much. So the other side of it as well is like the gospel of Mark is widely considered to be one of the first books of the New Testament that was written. And uh, some of most scholars date that within 20 years of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so the people that Mark is um, writing about um, would, would have still been alive mm-hmm. at the time. And anybody who's reading that letter could have gone and talked to all of those people. So it's not just would do the 12 disciples lie, but like there's so many people that were mentioned by name and associated with the resurrection that, that backed it up as well. I think for me, the, the most compelling piece of evidence, though, is that when you, when you go through the book of Acts and you see the, the sermons being taught by Paul and Peter and others, you know, when they show up to a town and they begin to share the gospel, notice what they talk about. They don't, they don't repeat some of the, the greatest hits of Jesus. Yeah. They're not sitting there going, well, let me tell you about a man who had two sons, or let me, let me talk to you about, um, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and blessed are those who are, are persecuted. They, they don't rehash his teachings. Instead, they show up in a town and they preach one message, Jesus the Christ is alive. Yeah. They, they put him to death and he's alive today. And that becomes the the focal message of the early church. Yeah. And, and I think why that is so significant is because it speaks to what Christianity is about. It, it's not about this moral teaching that we're trying to follow. It's about a life, the resurrection life of Jesus in us. Absolutely. Something else that's kind of really stood out to me uh, this week as we kind of talking about this as well is like, is when Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, like, he said, it is finished. It's like, like, what was finished? Like, what was Jesus's primary job? Like, what did he come on earth to do? And I think the fact that the disciples, like, all they preached was Christ crucified and resurrected. Like, that was the job that Jesus came to do. Like he said, he didn't come to, to give a, a, you know, a set of diagnostic tools for how to improve your life. He didn't come to um, make, he didn't come to give us a better, um, a better set of rules for living. Like, Mm -hmm. in fact, I mean, I've heard people say that, that the, the new covenant started on Jesus' death Mm -hmm. and all of his teaching or much of his teaching was actually old covenant. um, And I get nervous whenever I say stuff like that. I'm like, I don't, (laughs) I don't want to like put down what he said. He, He didn't like, but um, but it was all leading to this this resurrection and this life today. Absolutely. And and so that's that's telling as well because it shall, it tells us what we needed. Yeah. We we didn't need another another routine or another formula or another program yeah. to to live another another one coming up with a fad morality diet so to speak yeah. where you know the Atkins diet and the the keto diet and. And there wasn't now this this morality program that Jesus was trying to institute. He, he was mm-hmm. ushering a whole new way, yeah. which was solely based on his life, yeah. his resurrection life, being made available 
to to us. Yeah. And I think I think that's so critical because it it leads off into gives us hope for two things. I think number one that I kind of want to sh- talk about is this idea that the hope we have is n- is for tomorrow. There mm-hmm. is a hope for us tomorrow. That that you know we're all going through difficulties right now and 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 pressures and and for me to have that that knowledge that this is not as good as it gets. Yeah. This it's not really all about this. Um, I, I remember one one speaker. He uh, he used this great illustration. He had this really really long rope and it was off off stage. It was just going and going and going. And in this rope, he had you know three inches of it taped up, but then the rest of the rope was off. And and he talked about how you know our time on Earth is sort of like what's taped on the rope, but we have a whole eternity mm-hmm. that is the rest of the rope. And, and we worry sometimes so much about these three inches and we neglect the rest that awaits us. And so that, that idea, that thought for me of we have so much more ahead of us, that yeah. this, is, this is not our final destination. Yeah. Uh, as much as these struggles are, we've got something we can look forward to. Yeah, yeah 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the resurrection a lot. And there's a couple sections in there that, you know, what you're saying, let's like really resonate with me. So first, first Corinthians 15, uh, verse 39, and this is taken from the message. Um, so they're talking about creation. Uh, so Paul says, you will notice that the variety of bodies is stunning. Just as there are so many different types of seeds, there's so many different types of bodies, humans, animals, birds, fish, each unprecedented in its form. This is a really interesting part. You get a hint at the diversity of resurrection glory by looking at the diversity of body, not only on earth, but in the sky, sun and moon and stars. All these are varieties of beauty and brightness. And we are only looking at pre-resurrection seeds. Who can imagine what the resurrection plants will actually be like? And for myself, it's so easy to focus on the tough things that are coming up or the difficulty of this period of time in, in my life or this next great challenge or something my kid is going through. And it's not, I don't want to take away from those things because Jesus is there with me in those things. But also it's like, this is all trending up and it might mm-hmm. feel like it's not, but it is like we're walking towards something that is amazing and incredible. Yeah. And it's just going to like blow, like it'll blow our minds. It's like yeah. the best things that we are experiencing today, like the best thing you can possibly imagine happening in your life. Like that is a seed mm-hmm. of a plant of glory that we'll experience mm-hmm. um, as we, you know, in uh, after we die, like after we, you know, join Jesus when He comes yeah. back. And because, so, and, and again, like what we're all going through right now, if, if that doesn't remind us, then I don't know what would. But this idea that this is this creation is not as it is intended. It, it's not what God designed. Mm-hmm. That we live in a sin cursed world. But it's it's not the final destination. That yeah. God has a whole new heaven, a new earth, planned for us that we will all be able to experience and experience paradise as God ordained it, as God yeah. intended it to be. And and for me, I think about. Uh, I remember seeing this video on Facebook one time. A bunch of animals interacting with humans, and and how you know they were they're high fiving and shaking hands. But one that really kind of stood out to me was this man who's who's looking out a window, and up. Behind him comes this big giant like bear. I'm not sure if it was a grizzly bear or a brown bear, but it was massive. 
And, and it's just sort of walking along, you know, plodding back and forth. And it comes and then stands up on its hind legs beside this guy. And he puts his arms around the guy looking at the window. And there's this bear and this man looking at the window together. And it was just man and animal living that peace. Yeah. And, and that's our future. That's what we get to look forward to. And so this is not, this is not the it. This is not the finality of it. And, in fact, I know how it's all going to turn out. We win. Yep. And, and so there's great hope for us. And I don't have to worry. And, and I know some people are, are getting into sort of the end times right now. Is this the end? And what's happening? And, and, and so forth. And that, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But I don't get caught up in it. I don't, yeah. I don't stress myself over it trying to, to make sure I catch all the signs as much as I'm trusting Jesus will show me what I need to know and what I need to see in those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and in the meantime, I can just experience life today. Yeah. And I think that's what that the hope for my future gives me so much hope for now because I don't have to worry about trying to make now my paradise. Yeah. There's um, something I've heard you say to me before, uh, which is the idea that um, what we're experiencing today in this life with all these difficulties, like this is actually, like you said, it's like just the very initial sentences of the introduction of the book of our existence. Like that's what this life really is. And how this is like a very narrow window of time where we have an opportunity to trust. Mm -hmm. And like once we're resurrected, once like the real end times, wherever that is, once that comes, like our chance and the opportunity that we have to trust, to risk trust with Jesus closes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like one of those really special things that, again, it's it's kind of subtle, but it actually changes so much for me is that my, the, the job, the great work of my life used to be, can I just sustain good behavior for a long enough period of time? And like, that used to be where so much of my effort would go to. But now, like, that's not where my effort is today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not where it's it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do spend time there, but the effort for today is like, do I or will I choose to trust that Jesus is who he said he would be for me right now? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, going back to the resurrection, like, Jesus is alive, I'm alive with him, that completely changes who I am today. Mm-hmm. But going back to what Jesus was like, like when Jesus spent time walking on earth as a man, like people got to know him. Mm-hmm. He had a, he had a personality. He had compassion. Mm-hmm. He had, he had heart. He wept, which is great for people like me. I, I cry way too often, whatever. I cry a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there's, I mean, in so many of the, um, in so many of the, the prophecies that are talking about Jesus is saying how, you know, he's, he's not, he would, he won't snuff out like a smoldering wick. He doesn't mm-hmm. break a bruised reed. It's like, he cares for us so, so deeply. Mm-hmm. And that is the kind of, of older brother that we have with us as we're going and struggling through mm-hmm. diffi- difficulty at work or tension in my marriage, or upheaval in the kids' schedules, which is throwing my life in, in, into yeah. the blender. It's like we have somebody who is so deeply compassionate and so deeply loving who's with us right now. Mm-hmm. And so we actually can experience that life in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer contingent upon me making this my paradise. It's no longer contingent on 
on the circumstances. Like, no, no, Jesus is with me right now. Mm-hmm. I think for myself, that's another one of the major things that the resurrection has done for me personally, which it's changed what life means. Mm-hmm. Like, life is no longer the reward I get when I die. Like, life is what Jesus is offering me today in yeah. the middle of my struggle, in the middle of the the difficulty and the and the hopelessness that I sense and I perceive. So, so eternal life is not just the sweet by and by, mm-hmm. but because eternal life is a person. Eternal life is the life of Jesus. Yeah. You and I, we have eternal life right now. We're experiencing eternal life right yeah. now. We get to offer eternal life to one another. Yeah. First Peter 1 verse 3 um, it says, uh, What a God we have. How fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, because he was resurrected, We've been, giving a, been given a new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. Mm-hmm. God is keeping careful, careful watch over us in the future, and the day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like what we're experiencing today is, is, is a broken world, mm-hmm. um, but there's something far more beautiful coming, but there's also we get to experience that beauty now mm-hmm. through Christ walking with us today. One question I, I often think about is, what if he didn't rise again? Mm. What if what if all that happened was he died for our sins? I mean, that's still done, right? He's, we're still forgiven. and But what if he's still in the tomb? How would that change our, our Christianity and our experience today? Would would it have any impact? And and I think for some, it, it probably wouldn't matter. Because they'd still go about the same programs, same moralistic teachings, same behaviors, and look forward to a future in a time with Jesus, but their day-to-day lives would not really change. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, everything needs to change. Everything would be different. Because without the resurrection, without Jesus alive, he's not available to us, he's not in us. But it's because he's alive, it's because he's in us, that's the power that enables me to go and do yeah. what I want to do. It, it's the power that allows me to, to love my wife, to love my kids, mm-hmm. to, to, to serve and, and give myself away to others is because of that life of Jesus in me. Yeah. And so, so the resurrection is critical. It is, it is the centerpiece of Christianity. It's the centerpiece of our life today. It's, it's as Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ, yeah. this resurrected Christ who lives in me right now. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I think about who Jesus is and and what he's done, the more stunning it becomes. Mm-hmm. For myself, it's like a personal struggle is I am so much more comfortable with thinking of Jesus as the son of God, thinking of Jesus who carried the weight of eternity, the weight of sin on his back. But it's so much harder for me to see Jesus like in a complete sense, like of, of not only just the great strength, but also the enormous tenderness and the enormous personal interest he has in me. And like, it sounds weird to put it this way, but like Jesus has like so much, such a better character that I give him credit for, which is like kind of embarrassing to admit, but it's like, I'm always wondering, like, oh, can I trust Jesus with this? Like, is he going to take, will he take really good care of my wife? Will he take really good care of my kids? Because, like, I'm like, is he going to yank the rug out from under me? Yeah. It's like, I'm suspicious of him on a personal level. And that's a weird thing to admit on an Easter Sunday. But at the same time, it's like, 
I also, I also know that it's, I'm safe with him mm-hmm. and I'm safe in admitting that stuff to him. And that mm-hmm. doesn't scare him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't freak him out. He doesn't like pull back. He's like, I'm so glad you've like, I'm so glad you finally see this because now you, now it allows me to address it. Like, let me prove myself to you. Yeah. And I, and I think that's one thing that Jesus is asking all of us to do this morning is like, will, will we let him a step closer? Will yeah. we let him in? Will, will he, will, will we allow him to, to, to shine the light of the resurrection even deeper and further into our lives? Yeah. And I, I think that challenge, that question of will I trust him, is the question. Yeah. And not just trust him for salvation, as we've done, mm-hmm. but trust him today. Yeah. Do I trust him on this Easter Sunday in the midst of COVID-19, yeah. on day 822 or whatever it is, you know, will I trust him? Will I trust him when, when there's p- potential of a, of a job layoff or I have a job layoff? Will, will I trust him when the mortgage is coming due and the bill payments are coming? Will I trust him? And so there's, there's so many, many questions on, around us, surrounding us, that I think the enemy wants to pull our eyes towards. But the question is, well, can I remember that Jesus in me is sufficient? Yeah. That his grace, his power, his wisdom, his character, all of that is available to me right now. And will I trust that? Will I allow him yeah. to live through me and experience the re- redemption, experience the resurrection power of Jesus today. Uh, and I think of a verse like Romans 5.10, you know, much more having been saved, having been redeemed and reconciled to the death of Jesus, how much more will we be saved? Daily delivered, one yeah. translation says, today, mm-hmm. from all that sin throws at us, mm-hmm. and it says through his resurrection life, through his life in us today. Yeah. So I think that's what's so critical for us to never lose sight of. Yeah. And, and you know, the, I think the cross is a great symbol of Christianity, but just remember the cross was not just the death of Jesus. It wasn't just the burial of Jesus. It was the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. All of that is rooted in the symbol of the cross. Yeah. Remember, he's, he's, we have an empty cross, and for a good reason, because he's not on it anymore. He's alive today in you and I. So what I thought we'd do today then is sort of celebrate that through communion. Yeah. And, and, and I wanted to take a moment and just remind ourselves that communion is more than just an act. It's more than just a symbol that we do in the church. It, it's, it's something that is meant to remind us. Because of, like we said, you know, the issue ultimately is will I trust Jesus? And, and I think our problem is because we don't, because we forget. We, we forget, we lose sight of how wonderful he is, how awesome he is, and, and all that he's given to us. And so communion is supposed to be that moment where we pause and we remember. Yeah. So, well, what are we remembering then? Well, communion is, is ultimately we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. We're celebrating the covenant, this new covenant that God's made with us. Yeah. Now, think about that for a moment. God didn't have to make a new covenant. God could have just said, hey, this is how it's going to be. Trust me. But what he did is he made a covenant to bind himself to, to a whole new way to interacting with man. And it wasn't for his sake. It wasn't to prevent God from running out the back door one day. It was to give you and I the assurance, to give you and I the confidence of what we have in him. And so what, what this picture of, of the, the, the communion element is reminding us of how, you know, the blood that was shed was to show that it was a covenant. 
And it was to show that the power and the value of the covenant was rooted in nothing less than the death of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how valuable you and I are to him, that he would, he would put his own life on the line. And then to, to offer to us the bread, which is the, the, the life. I mean, you think about the original communion, which is the original Passover, right? They would, they would take the blood and they put it on the doorpost, and that was to sign, to signal that they were belonging to God. But then he would tell them, now eat the lamb. Because eating that lamb was going to empower them now as they went on this journey, because they were going to march out of Egypt the next day. And so what does he give to us? He gives us his body, broken for us, but now to sustain us, now to empower us as we go through this life. And it's all wrapped up in a covenant, meaning that God says, I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never stop being there. I'm always going to be there to forgive. I'm always going to be there to love. I'm always going to be there to empower to you, to, to share my life with you. All you need to do is remember. Remember what you have for us. Remember what's available for us. It's, it's interesting because like, as you're talking, I'm like thinking like all, all that we have to do, I'm like, I'm finishing the sentence. It was like, it's trust. But like your point is like, and it's like, it's remember. It's like, remember what's true. Yeah. Remember what is, uh, what's been done, what's been That's finished. Right. Remember the things that are, are non-negotiable. Yeah. Like my, my standing with Christ, my identity with Christ, like what he did on the cross. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's remember that. That's right. It's remembering that. And then choosing to say that is more true than whatever I feel or whatever That's I right. see. And now we just walk that out. And yeah. we, we experience that life as a result of that. Yeah. So... So grab your elements, uh, grab your toast, your coffee. If you've got some, some grape juice or wine or some bread or crackers, you can use that as well. Whatever you want, but we just want to celebrate communion uh, together. So Josh, I'm going to ask you to maybe pray for us. Oh, Father, what an incredible thing that you've done that we are celebrating this weekend and that we are remembering now. You came, you came as the Son of God. You came as um, a mighty, powerful of majesty, but you also came as a close, uh, humble, um, kind, deeply compassionate person. Um, And what you did on the cross has completely fundamentally shifted and changed and altered everything. And our life now is exploring that and exploring the implications of that. So I just want to say a huge resounding thank you mm-hmm. um, I don't know what else what, there's no other words there, there are no words that could ever accurately capture um, the, the significance of what you did but you also aren't asking me for words You're, you just want me to, to let you in a step further and so I say that for myself oh, man I'm so excited for the rest of my days walking with you Jesus I'm so excited for the rest of, of my life of exploring the great goodness that you have and experiencing that not only in my own experience, my day-to-day, but also in community and also in a community, this, this beautiful community of grace that New Life Fellowship is. And so I thank you so much for the incredible gift of the resurrection. Um, thank you so much for the amazing life change that has cascaded out of that. And as we all take communion together, um, Father, I pray for each person watching that there would be a sense of connection and a sense of closeness 
that just defies what we've all been experiencing. And I just ask that, um, and I ask that for each person who's watching, um, for people who have kids around, for people who have family around, for people who maybe are alone in their homes, uh, for people who have tension in their homes. Father, I pray that as we take communion together, that you would whisper the just the the unbelievable, powerful love, and that 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 just experience would just blossom from within. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've proven to us and what you are eager to prove to us even more as we move forward um, in our life walking with you. You are so good. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, we have individual goblets here for us to, uh, to practice our physical distancing, so I'll have to ask you to grab your own cracker. And, uh, and I'll grab mine and, um, I'm going to dip just to be extra careful and extra yeah. safe. Uh, you can drink. You can do what you want. But, um, but let's all do it together here. Yeah. We have the, the body of Christ that's been broken for you and, and the blood of Jesus that's been shed. That is the, the heart of the new covenant. Yeah. And he did this willingly because of his great love for us. Yeah. And because of that now, all of Jesus, all of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are available to you and I in any given moment, in us, be through us. We thank you, Jesus. Should have gone with bread, not crackers. Sorry for the crunching. Well, it's been a joy to be with you guys this morning. Uh, We trust that you were blessed. And uh, have a great rest of the Easter Sunday with your family and in lockdown. But just enjoy one another and enjoy the life we have with each other. I just want to add one more really quick thing. If there's anyone who is struggling, whether you're struggling financially or whether you're just struggling with loneliness, um, one of the difficult things about social distancing is that it's hard for it makes it a little harder for other people to notice. But we also have a chance to risk because of the resurrection, by putting your hand up and saying, hey, I need help. So if you have any requests or there's anything that you need extra support with, then please send an email to prayer at newlifekw.ca. And that comes to the leadership, and we will definitely reach out, and we will follow up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, reach out through, through Facebook. Put, put a comment um, or yeah. something uh, in the Facebook closed group. Um, and if you're not in that closed group, then um, uh, ask for an invite, and we'll make sure that we get that taken care of for you right away. But yeah, yeah, let, let, you don't have to do this alone. No. And uh, and what an opportunity this is for the church to be the church, yeah. and what an opportunity for the world to see this resurrection life in us today. So let us yeah. be the light. Let us be the testimony that Jesus is alive today. Have a great day, everybody. Love you guys. Miss you all. Bye. I love you more than Ross.